Hi friends, this is episode 21 of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us again. Quite honestly, I cannot believe what God has been doing in our lives for the past year and a little bit more than a month now. God is doing some amazing things, and every single week, every single session, I just come away with a huge smile on my face to see how God is communicating through each of you to give you just a much bigger picture of who He is, what His character is like, and everything about Him. So, Thank you so much. I just want to stop and say a great big thank you to you for this journey. It's changing my life, and I, I just pray it's changing yours as well. Before we get into today's topic, I just want to remind you that if you go to our website, thebiblelab.com, and go to the episodes page, there are the study guides there that if you want to follow along with the study guide while we're going through the discussion, uh, for a lot of us, it's just a lot more helpful to be able to see something while we're trying to figure out where are we in the discussions. So definitely go on over to thebiblelab.com and download your free copy of that document. Now, today we're going to continue in our conversation called My New Life, which is our study that is trying to help us understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and what does it mean to have a new life in the Spirit, like Paul talks about. And today we're going to talk about the power that the Holy Spirit brings into your life. What does that mean? I mean, what what is this power and how does it manifest itself in your life in a practical way and in a way that really helps you connect with God in a much closer way? So I invite you to say a prayer right now that God's Holy Spirit will come into your heart right now and give you a mind and an understanding of what exactly the Holy Spirit is to do in your life right now today to bring about God's power into your life. Welcome to the Bible Lab. You guys ready? Here we go. Number one, God typically gives us a little more than we ask for. God typically gives us a little more than we ask for. Okay, I'm seeing predominantly yes, about 30% no, and the rest, maybe. Maybe. So you think you ask for something and God gives you a little bit more. A lot more? You guys must be doctors from Loma Linda. I wonder if I gave this quiz somewhere else, they'd be like, yeah, I get nothing. I don't get nothing. Yeah, a lot more what? Somebody said over here. I love that. I love that. Number two, even though the Godhead is one, they do very different things. Even though the Godhead is one, they do very different things. All right, this is good. We're seeing about, it looks to me, about 95% yes, about 3% no, and 2%, I don't know, or maybe. Okay? We're actually going to deal with that today. We have a special segment today that uh, I I think you're really going to enjoy. Number three, when people pray for the power of God to come into their life, they usually are asking for a miracle. When people pray for the power of God to come into their life, they're usually asking for a miracle. Oh, we are totally split on this one. 50-50 and several I don't knows. Okay, so we don't know. When people are asking for the power of God to come into their life, they will usually, they're usually asking for a miracle. 
this is going to be the revolutionary question for you today. I had no idea coming in, but I can tell by the mixed response here, this is the thing we got to spend some time on. And so today, that's going to be part of the revolution in your, in your life today. Number four, the power of God is not as evident today as it was in the early church. The power of God is not as evident today as it was in the early church. Okay. This one's taking you a while to raise your cards, but it looks like about 70% no, 25% yes, and 5% maybe. Okay. So I'm not sure what you mean by that, but I'm absolutely sure in our conversation I'll find out what you mean by that. And number five, last one, God's power is given to specific people for specific tasks that he needs at specific times. Yes or no? Hmm. We're a little mixed on this one too, kind of 60-40. 60% yes, 40%. It looks like almost all I don't knows and a few knows mixed in there. So the question is, whom does God give this power and why? Once again, this is also going to be one of the things that I think will be revolutionary in your life today. Now, if you will, I want you to open up uh, your Bibles or follow along here on the study guide because we're going to start out with a statement made in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. A little background. Jesus is trying to give his disciples uh, a little last-minute encouragement and direction just before he ascends back up to heaven. The disciples ask, so when's the kingdom coming? Jesus says, "Um, I, I think you missed the point. That's not the most important thing. It's not for you to know dates and times. And then he says in verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want us to focus on that word power. What is this power that Jesus is talking about? And are there some limits here? What have you been taught as you've come into the church and they say, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, Jesus promised, would bring power. Was that for everybody? Was it just for the apostles? What was it? What is this power? What have you been told? Raise your comment cards if you have a comment. I want to hear, what have you been told that this power is that the Holy Spirit would bring? Because that's our question today. Are we living with the Holy Spirit power to the degree and with the intent of Jesus before he ascended back up into heaven? What is this power? Raise your cards if you're not too intimidated. You guys look really intimidated today. Is it my voice? Is that, is that the problem? I hope not. We have a card right over here. Linda. Thank you, Linda. So to me, God's power through the Holy Spirit is what makes us able to live from day to day. And whatever our work is, our activities, stay-at-home moms, whatever, if we're living God's joy in our lives, it's going to bubble over, like your little example from the midday. But... It's just that we can live our lives as Jesus' example to other people, to bless them with their need. Exactly. That's where I grew up hearing, too, is the Holy Spirit gives you the power for the day-to-day living so that at opportune moments, someone might say, 
hey, I want what you've got, right? Harvey. Well, number one, they never talked about the Holy Spirit, so I didn't learn about its power. And, and who's they? The church. The church, okay. Never heard a sermon about the Holy Spirit, other than to be careful because they talk in tongues. They do. And that's, you can't do that. <clears throat> no. No. <clears throat> the power from God was God would help me be good. Notice he's helping me. Right. And uh, so that was the power. Exactly. And that's what I heard growing up, too. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's power is to help you get to heaven. Okay, because the focus is on you. Because if you don't make it to heaven, you failed. Okay, that's what I heard too. Thank you, Harvey. Uh, who was back here? Yes. So to me, maybe it's the power of understanding, because when I see when I when I read the Old Testament, what I see and when people see the God, there's the first reaction is fear, mm -hmm. and you see that with Moses when he saw the burning bush. Yeah. Through his relationship with God, eventually he overcame that fear, and he asked to see God, but when he came. But when he came down from the mountain, the, the children of Israel were, were afraid of just the reflection in his face. Yeah. And I think that, that God and, and the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus knew this, and that was why Christ came. Because he, uh, we, we fear what we can't understand, and yeah. God is so far beyond this. We can't understand someone who has no beginning, no end, because we live in linear time. Yeah. And so Jesus made... God's character, everything we need to know is, is fulfilled in him. And yeah. that's why he left, because he had done his job. But the Holy Spirit is that bridge between us and the Father, the limitless power of God. So on our own, we could never understand that because of our own limitations of our mind. But the Holy Spirit can give us that knowledge. And that's the beginning of the power. That's brilliant. I, I love it. And you, you have bridged two things uh, by using the word bridge and also with what you said. First of all, uh, the text that we're going to go to is Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to take a look at how God helps us understand. Interesting thing is we're going to see what is it about God that he wants us to understand. There's something very important to him that he wants us to understand. And it's not typically what we pray to understand about him. We typically pray to understand where did you come from? How can you be a being without any beginning? Uh, you know, where are you? Why are you taking so long? Um, but that's not the most important thing to God. And we're going to see that at the end of the, of the Bible lab today. But you also use this word bridge, and we're going to get back to that uh, in just a few minutes. Yes, over here. May I quote a Ichi White quotation? Yes. The Holy Spirit is put forth his highest energy to work in mind and heart. Through grace given to us, we may achieve victories which because of our defect of character and smallness of faith may have seemed to us impossible. Hmm. To me, this quote says, shows us what mighty sinners we are hmm. and how even mightier the power of God is to transform a person like us. Absolutely. Heinz, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. And it shows what some of this power is. Yes, over here. What I believe now is that the Holy Spirit is the power of God. Okay. It comes into us mm -hmm. and lives in us. Okay. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that's scriptural, because that's also what we're going to see when we go to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. It's exactly true. It is that power that allows the very essence of God 
to be with us. This whole thing that Jesus was talking about, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. This remaining, this connection, it's only available through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's like the Bible is the breath of God. It really is his breath to mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit, it's that same thing. It's that power to us. Yes. Yes. And remember, when the scripture uses pneuma, breath, um, it is not a quiet whisper breath. This is a thundering, ground-shattering blast is how it should be translated. It is powerful. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Two more comments, one here and then one here. Yes, Dan. You teased us with the idea that we were going to be looking at the power that results from the Holy Spirit. The uh, Greek word translated power is dunamis. Exactly. Or dynamite. Yes. That's where we get the word dynamite from, is dunamis. Therefore, the power that comes through the Holy Spirit is also going to be disruptive. Oh, my word. You are such a troublemaker. <laughs> and I know you're not there yet to Ephesians 3. Yeah. But there are references to a mystery mm -hmm. that is going to be solved by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And Jesus foresaw that in the reference in Acts. And then you look at when the Holy Spirit came and all of those nationalities mm -hmm. were involved. You get a teaser yes. on what the power mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit is really to achieve. Exactly. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Last comment before we move on. Um, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is directly related to our willingness to seek him. And it's not going to be forced upon us. Right. We will have to seek him to receive that power. Exactly. Exactly. Because God allows us to have a choice. Exactly. It is a choice to have this dunamis, how we translate power which is really a poor translation of a very, pardon, pardon the redundancy, powerful word. Dunamis, like Pastor Dan explained to us, is where we get the word dynamite from. It's the Greek basis of dynamite. Dynamite, you would describe as powerful, but when you say dynamite is powerful, in the back of your mind you have a whole list of ways that it's powerful. And yes, it's very disruptive. This word dunamis is used in the book of Acts 10 times. And every single time it's used in the book of Acts, it refers to a specific outcome of that power. And the power is not internal change so that you're saved. Never once is the power this dunamis of the Holy Spirit used to talk about how it changes you. The dunamis is always used in the nine other places, other than where we just read, it's always used to refer to a power to do the miraculous around you. Now you know, Harvey, why we don't teach this to our poor little kids in school. 
little kids in Bible class, we don't want them thinking they have power to do the miraculous. That's for the Pentecostals. They got that glossolalia gobbledygook. You can do that all you want. You can roll down the aisles all you want. We've got Jesus. You got the spirit. That spirit's too disruptive. But scripture, even when Jesus used the, this term dunamis for power, he consistently used it to describe the power to do the miraculous. And whether that's the power to communicate in a way that people understand, not in a way that people don't understand, the power to touch and heal, the power that your very shadow cast across somebody will bring life change and healing into their life, the power to come into a group of people and their minds be changed about who Jesus Christ really was. That's how this word dunamis is consistently used. And so God says to his apostles, you will receive power to do the miraculous, things you can't do on your own. I don't know if that scares you, it scares me. Because I'm not supposed to be a disruptive force in my community, I'm supposed to be a helpful force. I'm the force that makes sure that everyone is loved and cared for and has a sandwich if they need something to eat. I'm not called to come in and people say, there's something about that guy. There's something different because it's embarrassing. You stand out. And most of us, myself included, are not upfront people. You guys have no idea. When God called me to ministry from studying medicine, my greatest fear was having to do what I'm currently doing right now. In fact, when I started pastoring in 1993, when I was up front, I would get so nervous, I'd be shaken so much, I could probably thread a sewing machine while it was going. I'd get tunnel vision. I have no idea what I said, and no one in the audience did either. It was so bad, I couldn't read my notes. I couldn't read a manuscript. My shortest sermon of all time was seven minutes long because I forgot what I was supposed to say. Interesting thing, I didn't get any complaints for letting them go early. <laughs> so regardless of how you see yourself, where you are now, and, and we kind of touched on this last week a little bit when we're talking about God's will, and unfortunately we didn't have time to, to go and unpack it in more detail. We are going to, in our session on how do you talk to God, a whole session on prayer. We're going to go through several weeks of that. And one of the weeks we're going to talk about Knowing the will of God. How do you know the will of God for your life? And what I want to tell you is God's will for your life are not all the life decisions that you need to decide by age 26. Who am I supposed to date? Who am I supposed to marry? What job am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to work? What am I supposed All of that is superficial to what God's will is for your life. Because when you look at individuals like Abraham, age 99, 100, Look at Moses, started his biggest part of his mission at age 80. God's not done with us. His will for your life, your very existence, why you have breath in your lungs, is because God has a purpose for you. And the power of the Holy Spirit coming into you, regardless of what your age, can get you to do things that you never thought possible before. Not for you, but for the betterment of your community. Because God does care about you, but he wants you to connect with the power that can do the miraculous around you. Yes, it is a miracle that any of us are savable. That is a miracle in and of itself. 
but that's separate from your purpose in life. Because your purpose in life is not to get to heaven. That's the side effect of your purpose in life. Your purpose in life is to fulfill God's purpose in you. And you will never get there until the Holy Spirit comes in and leads you to that purpose to do something humanly impossible. We're going to unpack that much more in the future, but I, I felt like it was kind of a little bit undone, especially by some of the comments I, I had even this morning, a little bit undone, so I don't want you to misunderstand. This power of God is meant to do something through you, not simply in you. Although in Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to see there is one thing that it does in you, but everything else it does is to be through you. Now, I'm going to invite up a, a, a friend of ours here in, in just a minute, but before I invite him up, um, I, I want to give a, a little bit of an introduction statement so you understand what we're doing next. Um, what do you believe? What do you believe about God? How did that formulate? Uh, years ago, from 97 to 2000, I taught high school Bible. I loved it. I know a lot of you are looking at me like, oh, what a bad job. But I absolutely loved it. The junior level, grade 11 Bible, one of the quarters was on fundamental beliefs. And so at the beginning of the quarter, three years running, I would give them an extra credit quiz, 37 points possible. The first 27, I just take out a piece of paper. Here you go. These points will go toward your test and quiz score, and we'll use them as you need them. 37 possible points. The whole class is excited. This guy's the best teacher in the world. It gives us extra credit day one. And so I said, number your page, one through 27. Okay, next to each of those numbers, it can be in any order. You don't have to get it in, in the correct order. I want you to list your fundamental beliefs. I will give you one extra credit point for every one you get right, regardless of the order. The next five, I want you to list the five fundamental beliefs that you feel have brought the most benefit into your life. And the last five, I want you to write the five fundamental beliefs that you have the most trouble with, that you feel have, have caused you some issues with the church. And in three years of giving this extra credit quiz, I was only able to give at the highest. The highest quiz came back with seven points correct out of 37. So, I told the students, okay, you obviously don't know what you believe because you're putting like makeup and vegetarianism and all kinds of stuff here. So those aren't part of our fundamental beliefs. So you obviously don't know what you believe. It's not your church. You don't own it. When someone says, what do you believe? You don't even know what to talk about because you don't know what you believe. And you don't know how simple it is, what our fundamental beliefs are. So let's do this. Let's take all these 27 at that time, fundamental beliefs, and let's just throw them away. I'd wad them up. We threw them in the trash. All the students are like, this is crazy. We just threw away the fundamental beliefs. I said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Over the next 10 weeks, we're going to build our own church. What do you believe? What do you think people should believe about God and, and our church and, and everything about it? What do you think we should be built on? You're going to build it. And over the next 10 weeks, I walked them through different ideas. Well, what do you think about this? What's the Bible say about this? What should we believe about that? And it was amazing because through 10 weeks, we built our fundamental beliefs and they were spookily very close to the Seventh-day Adventist 27 fundamental beliefs. 
but they owned them. They knew them. And if I asked them at the end of the quarter, what do you believe? What do you believe about this? What do you believe about creation? What do you believe about the Bible? What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? What do you believe? Boom, top of their head. This is what I believe, and here's where it's found, in the Bible. Because it was theirs. It wasn't 27 paragraphs handed to them. Unfortunately, some of you, and I could tell in your face, if I were to give you the quiz today, many of you would say, oh, I'm, I'm, start, <clears throat> I'm starting to get sick. I got to leave. I love walking with people through what you believe because many of you, yeah, you, you know it. You just need to be reminded. You just need to be reminded what you believe. And so this last August, when we did uh, our previous series on the Holy Spirit, it was awesome because one of you wrote me a, an email with a Venn diagram. I said, well, this is kind of how I see the Holy Spirit and how he fits in with the relationship with the Father and the Son. And, and what do you think? He emailed it to me. I said, this is great. And he had all these paragraphs, and we went through it. And today, what I, what I want to do is I want to invite up our, our community member, Joel, Joel Chapin, to come on up, because he's the individual who's like, this is kind of how I see it. I'm kind of wrestling with it. And this is kind of how I see the role of Father and Son to help me understand what is the role of this Holy Spirit? What is he supposed to do here and now? So, Joel, it's so great to have you share in, in this segment. Now, we started, we started hammering through this. And the word hammer probably, probably is a word that you'd pick. Yeah. Yes. I think that's fair. Yeah, because we started out, you, you sent me paragraphs, much like the, the ones that are there, and what did I do? So you homed in on what I was actually saying, not what I meant. Yeah, so <laughs> what we discovered was he sent me these brilliant paragraphs. Brilliant. And then I started changing the font color to red, the things I disagreed in, and started writing in green, because that's much more positive, the things that I would change it to. And we, like, doubled the size of your notes, didn't we? Yes. And in the end, what we discovered is that words have so much baggage. Totally. And so as you were looking at, well, that's not what I meant, I said, well, that's what you said. And we went back and forth. It was the most fun. I had a blast, and thankfully, Joel is mature it enough. It wasn't that fun. <laughs> it, yeah, there are times I'm, there might be a few tears on his pillow. But, um, but he wrote back to Productive, me. Productive, but not fun. Uh, yeah, the second or third round that we went, uh, he wrote back, I know you're saying this in love. And I was really happy that you understood we can wrestle and, and not have animosity, but just to say, I, I totally get I totally get where you're coming from. Have you considered? And so as we went through it, it was a back and forth. And I loved it because it reminded me of the experience of my juniors in high school of them saying, what about this? What about that? I don't know. What do you think? And going back and forth until we took and we narrowed it down until we had as, as close to a responsible understanding of that fundamental belief as we could possibly come up with at that time. And so, Joel, what I want you to do is... Uh, all of you should have received an extra page today that says Joel Chapin's notes on it. Thank you. Um, Joel's going to go through it really quickly because he wants to discuss specifically with you what he sees as the role of the Holy Spirit. Where is the power? Where is the power today? And as soon as, as uh, we get through that, uh, hopefully we'll have time for us to close Ephesians 3. So, Joel, why don't you start out by... Um, quickly reading through what you came up with 
as far as the role of the father and the role of the son. Okay. So, I'm just going to read it. Uh, language is insufficient to convey the nature of God. However, let's consider one thing. Before God created the universe, what was there? God sufficient unto himself. If we assume that the universe is not made up of the parts of God and that God is whole without the universe, then God's essence can be defined separately from it. All love comes from God. All light comes from God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. In fact, all things were made by him, which is a, I find troubling right there. At the heart of it, evil is nothing more than the lack of good. Evil has no positive nature, but the loss of good has received the name evil. That's not from the Bible, but... If sin occurs in the absence or rejection of God, that means that, God's allow, that God allows some of it, if not all of it, of, I'm sorry, some or all of the universe to exist outside of him. That is how we can have free will and therefore be at the mercy of sin and death and still require the redemption of Jesus. God is omnipresent. God seeks to, sees to and directs the inner workings of the universe and he is the God of all times simultaneously, past, present, and future. God's act of creation bound the universe together. His love is what keeps this universe from being meaningless. If God is the source of all good and perfect things, physics, math, love, mercy, these things are manifestations and reflections of God's power. God is keeping the universe together with the power of his love and the underlining mechanisms of his creation. He's not literally from whose womb comes ice, but he conceived the entire systems of the system of the universe, and in his mind's eye, in his mind's eye, and then created it. And he's reimagining it in the present and waiting anxiously to recreate it. Very good. Now, can you tell Joel is a deep thinker? Can you tell he has the heart of an engineer? And you talk about the physics of, of God. Joe, I got a question for you, because yep. many of the people recall, but they're trying to remind themselves in their brain. You just got baptized. Yes, yes I did. When did you get baptized? Um, uh, December 7th. Yeah, December 7th. It's January 20 today. Yep. You are truly on a quest to commit your life to God. And I love the fact that you're wrestling right now, like all of us should be doing, and saying, what can I find that makes sense to me in the way I process information? So I love what you've done. Not to uh, take any more of your time, why don't you go into uh, the second section, the, the sun. What role do you see? And while you're doing that, if you want, from time to time, you can also look at the back of your study guide where Joel has the Venn diagram that he created to help him in a physical way, he's a very concrete thinker, to see in a physical way the relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, Joel. I, I just have to say that um, a lot of the ideas and everything have come from my interaction with you and with, with Miguel, Pastor Miguel as well. And uh, so I, I really feel like the, uh, the guidance and, and stuff that I've received from you guys is a big part of the reason why this, this has happened. For well, that's very so kind of you, Joel, but that's what we're here for. That's what we're all here for.
All right. So the life of Jesus is irreconcilable proof of God's loving nature, and Jesus' life serves as an example of what perfect obedience to God looks like because Jesus chose to submit his will to that of the Father. Jesus was given dominion over our universe and takes an active role in our lives with the support of the Holy Spirit. And we may ask him for anything in his name, and he will do it. His story, here referred to as the gospel, has the power on earth, has power on, the, on earth because it is the news that the power of God brings salvation to everyone who believes. The word gospel not only indicates the written description of the story of Jesus' sacrifice, it also describes the effects of that story on the world and our lives. He became perfectly human so that we can free, so he can free us of our selfishness and fear that result in sin and pride. Jesus came as a sacrifice, and the story of his sacrifice has been passed on by those who have faith in him and is supported by the amazing power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel has the power to free us when we are able to hear it and understand it through the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Word made flesh. The gospel has written, as written in the first book, four books of the New Testament, is the Word in written form, or just the Word. And it has invaded the hearts and minds of the people of the earth and changed us with the power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel is irreconcilable proof that God loves us in our imperfection. Our faith in the validity of the gospel has the power to free us from the bonds of fear, sin, and death. The story of God's power exists all around us in the lives of the people we talk to and who are endued with faith. When we share our stories, the stories of God's love being active in our lives, we are participating and contributing to the story of God's power on earth. The effect of the gospel on earth is constantly being expanded by the collective stories and reality that surrounds the church. Our stories become part of the body of Christ as the gospel becomes part of our lives and starts to have an effect on our lives. In our becoming closer to God through the Holy Spirit, as we'll see, we are changed by God's mercy and love, and our witness and testimony become part of the gospel's effect on the world. Jesus was the splash. May our lives continue to be the ripples of God's love. Amen. Joel, that's amazing. And I know how difficult it is to get up front. And so let's show him our appreciation for being up here and sharing. Thanks, guys. Now, instead of him reading through the paragraph, what I want us to do uh, for the Holy Spirit is I want us to look at the Venn diagram. Now, Joel, you did a great job in this diagram of trying to say, okay, so I see what God the Father is doing, what he's done, and I see what the Son is doing and what the Son has done. What in the world is this Holy Spirit supposed to do? Is he just the heavenly butler that answers the doorbell when you pray? Is he just this third leg? What is it that the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, is supposed to do? And I love what he's done here on the diagram. If you look at the back of your page, he says the Holy Spirit, and he, he has come up with... The purpose of the Holy Spirit is twofold, guidance and power. And if you look at that arrow up and down, he calls it the bridge between the Father and us. That's what I was talking about before when you brought up the word bridge. The bridge between the Father and us. 
The direct experience of God's love combined with the message of Jesus' sacrifice meet at this point, and our lives are changed. What do you guys think about that? And by the way, if you want, you can sit down. Yeah. <laughs> but I want you here for comment. Yes, what do you guys think that means? How about right back here? We have a microphone. You need an extra microphone. Do we have one? Thank you. Right back here. What do you think that that means? How do you see it playing out? Well, as being a retired teacher, I have, I have a position that I take with your calling this a Venn diagram. <laughs> yes, ma'am, go me, ahead. Me too, me too, that's cool. <laughs> a Venn diagram shows overlapping where for instance, if you would have over here H2, and you would have over here O, then you would have an overlapping circle, H2O, yes. you'd have water. Yes. So this is not a Venn diagram. I'm not sure if you've noticed. My kids bring home their homework today, and what we used to call math, it's something very different. Secondly, I totally agree. Because the very first time Joel told me I have a Venn diagram, I was looking for the circles. Unfortunately, we're looking outside the circles, but I want you to understand something. The same principle, I'm so glad you said that too, because the same principle is there, because even though the Trinity have separate functions, there is so much overlap that even in looking at what Joel wrote here in his notes and on this, excuse me, Venn diagram, um, <laughs> there, is, there is so much overlap that even, it isn't even mentioned there. So from that standpoint, you, you know I love you. Best lunch date ever, by the way. Had the best lunch with you. Um, there is overlap. So even though this looks like a couple of triangles, and although the Holy Spirit's connection seems like a very thin point between two triangles, I also want you to think of it as circles. Because what the Holy Spirit does, in the same way that Jesus says, I do nothing by myself, only as the Father tells me. Even Jesus, in what he did, in, and I love how, how Joel uh, uses the words, the Jesus story, the power of how he demonstrated the character of God in flesh and blood. Even though Jesus at that time was fulfilling a specific role, he didn't do it by himself. There was so much overlap that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's the same. So one of the challenges whenever you diagram something is to separate things out too much. And I'm very excited that you said that because I want to make sure that we don't lose the concept that the Trinity is one. Okay? What I want us to look at now is to look at what Joel has in his concept come up with. Which, by the way, I think is brilliant, but it's nothing like what I would have come up with. So what I'm challenging you to do, and I love that you brought up this point, because what I want you to do is look at this and say, but how do I see it? Because, Joel, that was beautiful. That was like flowing words and flowery and physics, and I, there's something quantum in there somewhere. And 
As I look at it, that's great, but it doesn't truly answer the questions I have in my heart. And so in the same way, I would challenge each of you to look and say, but what do I think is the role of God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Because if you never think that, you will never let them have a role in your life. And so I, I see some hands up, and we're going to get to them in a second, but I want us to filter this through Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 21, and I think we need to give Joel a great big hand for putting himself out there today. Thank you so much, brother. You're awesome. It's so great to be on this journey with so many of you. Some of you who are just starting your journey, recently committed your life through baptism, and some of you who, boy, you're trying to remember what date you were baptized because you're starting to get senile. So we are all in this journey at some place. No offense, none taken. And I want you to take a look based on your understanding of what is the Holy Spirit supposed to do in my life? What is his role? And I want you to think about that as we read through our text, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 21, in which the Apostle Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. One of my favorite phrases, you probably wouldn't guess right off, but one of my favorite phrases in this whole text is right toward the beginning, throughout all generations. Because many people have looked at these texts, Acts 1, 8, Ephesians 3, 16 to 21, said, no, this is just for the early church. This is just to get the church off the ground. The only time that God needed to use the Holy Spirit to rock the world around was when he was starting the church. Unfortunately, Scripture says uh -uh, all generations, which means the power of the Holy Spirit is supposed to be having a disruptive effect even now today because we are part of all generations. So as you look at this scripture, what do you see as the role of the Holy Spirit in the context of power? What is this power that the Holy Spirit brings? Back here. In 1 Corinthians 9.22, it says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Going back to the 
first text that we started with, I think I always like to take it down to layman terms. Good. And I, I view that this will upset some people, and I am the least mechanical person you know, but I think of the Holy Spirit almost as a distributor cap. There is immense power in the engine, all of them functioning differently like the Trinity, but when connected, when we're connected to that love, it makes all the difference in the world. And I think we get too hung up in trying to define what that power is. I believe the power is natural. And when we get out of that connection, out of letting the Holy Spirit meet each of us in our own little place, then we do distorted things. And we saw that in the news locally with the couple that said God told them to have so many children, and then they did horrible things. But I think God's connection is natural with the Holy Spirit, unleashing things that we can't even begin to imagine naturally. I, I absolutely agree, and I love the analogy you used as well. Once again, it's a different way to picture it. I know myself, one of the greatest challenges I had when God called me from studying medicine to studying ministry is my, great, my greatest concern, because I had low self-esteem. My greatest concern was that people would look at me and say, oh, that guy's weird now, which has led me to do a series multiple times uh, all around for, for young people uh, during my ministry, which says, will Christianity make me weird? No, it won't make you weird. The bad news is if you're already weird, you're going to be weird. But it won't make you weirder, okay? God uses you, and you're correct. It is natural. Um, I know the beginning of my ministry and the beginning of most people's ministry, we're trying to mimic guys that we see effective, and we're horrible, and we're ineffective because we're trying to be a bad impression of somebody else instead of being the best version of ourselves. And God didn't call me to be somebody else. God called me to be me, and God called you to be you. And the power of God through you is this natural feeling that once you're doing it with the power of the Holy Spirit, it does feel very much effortless because it is the passion that God put in you, the power that God put in you to communicate this glorious message of God and the gift of salvation. Back here. I feel like we're forgetting the fact that uh, the Holy Spirit's also a person. We're yes. We're talking about him like he's some sort of mechanical function or impersonal force. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. He's conscious and he was involved in creation. Um, I did like a lot of things that Joel said, but uh, all three persons in the Godhead were involved in creation because it says in Genesis chapter one. Absolutely. We let us, that's a plural, not a singular tense. Um, So I just wanted to add that. Yes, and I'm totally glad you said that. As each of us are coming up with our understanding, remember, the beautiful thing about our church, how it was formed, and how it should continue going, unlike how some people are trying to define it today, our church believes in progressive revelation, that God will let you see a certain amount So you take a step today, so you're where you need to be tomorrow, so you're where you need to be next week, next month, next year. Some of the things that I teach today, I never knew 25 years ago when I started pastoring. I'm like, I wish I would have known it then. But God gives you, as you invest in him and as you invest reading scripture, he gives you that big picture theology so you don't miss things. So, Popity's Nerfect, 
So I'm not expecting <laughs> any of you to present something to me that I'll look at and say, when's your commentary coming out? Because this is better than all the theologians ever. Because many of you are lay people. You don't know Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. You're learning how to take scripture and to put it through all the filters it needs to. I don't need you to be perfect. I need you to be passionate. And that passion will take you from some of the imperfect thoughts that you have into the powerful thoughts that God will give you. So although we presented today, I think it was absolutely incredible. Did I agree with everything? No, Joe told you earlier, it was painful sometimes, back and forth. But Joel's come to this, this place, and I think it's a defendable place. Is it perfect? No. Are we expecting Joel to be perfect? No, we expect him to be present. Okay, Joel said yes. <laughs> or was that, your, was that your wife? Never mind. She knows you're perfect. Cool. Another comment right over here. I am very much enjoying this today. This is excellent. Um, just everybody's discussion of just progressive realization and self-growth and it's just resonating with me so much. There's so many things to tie together here. Um, but just kind of going back to the concept of what is this power that the Holy Spirit's bringing? Let's, yeah. let's start there. My own personal journey, I feel like the power that the, person, or the Holy Spirit brings to you is your own personal self-worth, your self-image, yes. your emotional quotient, yes. your ability to be you in, in however that fits in your life. If yeah. you're an engineer, if you're a physician, if you're, you know, what if you're a pastor, whatever, what does yeah. that look like in your life? And who are you? And are you stable within your own personal being to have that relationship with God to be able to understand that so that you can work yeah. through that? Um, so that's, I feel like, the power that the Holy Spirit brings because, and kind of what Joel was saying about, well, it's not just me. I'm connected with you guys. You know, that's something else that I've always, you know, been taught and, and learned is you will become a you will be the sum of the five closest people you hang out with, mm. right? So you want to, you know, you want to you see who you are. You know, if I, if I see something about your four closest friends, I probably know something about you, you know, just environment, right? Yeah. And so in my mind, we've got God, we've got Jesus. We know kind of their roles. We have the Holy Spirit as, a, as the third person in that. He's the guy I need to hang out with the most. Yeah. So I hang out with him. Yeah. And then not, not to be flippant but what are the rest of the details matter yeah. it'll figure it all out it'll all work itself out yeah. there's i'm sure reasons how this all fits but yeah. but that connection is paramount for you to be able to receive that power that personal ability within yourself to then live this explosive living hmm. that we're talking about yeah. that that explosive power to be able to again affect the world around you however you're personally called I love it. That's not only brilliant, but it's very practical. How do you plug in this connection between you and the Holy Spirit, who is a person who brings the power? Now, I'm going to make several people upset, and I'm so, so sorry, but we've run out of time. But I want to make sure that you don't miss something in this scripture. In this scripture, it says that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. How does the Holy Spirit come inside and change you? According to Scripture, it says, it changes your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Many of you have struggled um, growing up. Perhaps you grew up in a more conservative expression of faith, and you struggled to keep Jesus in your heart. 
and you knew that you were doing all these things that were driving him away. Paul says here, the power of the Holy Spirit is to come into your heart so that no matter where you're at, what you're doing, that he prepares a place for Jesus in the same way that Jesus is preparing a place for you. The Holy Spirit's power is that in your innermost being, the being that nobody knows, the one that you're afraid people will discover, it's in that being that the Holy Spirit changes you to create a truly tabernacle experience for Jesus and his spirit. The presence, the very presence of God. And the Holy Spirit changes you so that it not only makes God comfortable, but it makes you more comfortable. And you begin to feel this internal connection. Secondly, it says, I pray that you being rooted and established in beliefs. No, I'm sorry. Oh, in love? Oh, that's frosting words. We're not supposed to preach that. The Bible says if you're deeply rooted, established in love, because God is love, that that's when you'll begin to understand the most important thing that God wants you to know about him. And the most important thing God wants you to know about him is what? What's scripture say right after that? What's the thing God wants you to know more than anything else? Wants you, wants you to know uh, do's and don'ts? He wants you to understand something that you should not be able to know. To know the unknowable. To be able to comprehend the incomprehensible. And that one thing, the most important thing to God that he wants you to know today is the dimensions of his love. How high goes all the way to heaven. How wide, as wide as his arms stretched on the cross. How long that God is more patient than you. He's going to see you through to the end. And how deep he sees you in some of the deepest, darkest moments of your life. God will never leave you or forsake you. He wants you to understand something you can only understand if the presence of God is with you. And the Holy Spirit brings this miraculous power into your heart to understand not only that God's love has those great dimensions, but God has that love for you. Not for all the goody two-shoes sitting here in the Bible lab. For you. And if you can begin to grasp that through the power of the Holy Spirit, a miracle will take place. Dunamis. Dynamite. To blast away all the things that have become obstacles between you and a true understanding that you can only understand with the power of the Holy Spirit that God loves you. Wow, that is truly amazing when you let that sink into your life, this power that the Holy Spirit has for you today. And I just pray that you will experience right now and all throughout this week and in your coming life, this incredible power that God wants to work in your life, that dunamis, that dynamite power to disrupt all the things in your community for God's kingdom. Now, I want to invite you to come back for episode 22, because that one is a very, very practical one, which answers the question, how does the Holy Spirit help you to pray? 
Scripture is very clear that the Holy Spirit has a very special role to help you in your prayer life. And once you connect with that and you see that you have a prayer partner who is a member of the Godhead himself, it will absolutely change your communication with God. So I invite you to come back for the next episode and to be able to gear up for an even more powerful, close relationship with God. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at thebiblelab.com. Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.